I did not. I thought it was on. Well, I, I, I took a chance and gave you yeah, one. That, and, and didn't tell me. Well, I told you now. All right. Yeah, yeah. When I counted. You, you thought maybe I was going to do it like a, like like Leroy. Like if I had turned it on, you'd have said, how did you know it was on? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. And then you just said, well, my time with you is over. How many times have you seen it? How's, how's that going? Can we go? <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah, I don't have to talk about it. I only have to do it. <laughs> Every fucking morning watching that movie. Hello, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black. I'm tired of watching the fucking black track. <sighs> right, I guess we'll start all over. <laughs> Anything else you want to get out before we start? Oh man, about the last track. God, like I'm used to waking I up and found a place. Finally found a place. I wake up in the morning. I turn on CNN. Yes, and now. I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I turn on CNN. Yes, and then because CNN basically like repeats the yeah news yeah 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 mo- you get it in morning mm-hmm. late night John. So I go in the I go in the bathroom. I take a shower. By the time I've come out of the shower and come back into the bedroom, Twana has oh no 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 she's turned on that the last is dragon. All right, Twana. <laughs> That's a good woman right there. Mm. That's a good woman. You want her? <laughs> Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul on G-Town Radio, Wednesday nights, 8 to 10. That's gtownradio.com. And I'm joined, of course, by my partner. Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And to- tonight, this evening, on this afternoon, everyone mark their calendars because the two of us are going to Grapple, I think grapple might be the proper verb. Grapple with one of the finest films with Don Franklin in it. Nineteen eighty five, Sidney Portier directed Fast Forward. Yes. Um before we do that. But however. before we do that, you had to let it hang. You had to just say fast forward and let it hang. Oh yeah. This is a momentous occasion. It is. We're reviewing Fast Forward, a Sydney Portier film. But before we do. We have uh, emails and feedback from all of our listeners who follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Michelle Mission, as well as on SoundCloud at, not SoundCloud. Um, well, they do follow us on SoundCloud. They do. They do. follow us on Instagram at Michelle Mission. Um, we... Have a couple of messages here. We heard from Tom Laporta. Hey, what's up, Tom? We just saw Tom too. We just saw Tom this past weekend as we were a part 
of the Philadelphia Podcast Festival down at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, where we had School Dazzle, a little bit of a talk back and uh, trivia on the movie School Days. And then we screened the movie later on that evening. Shout out to Nathan and Tegan Karuna, the headmaster and headmistress of the Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Thank yeah, you yeah, very yeah. so much. Good for time. Us. Good time. Thank you. And that's playing your sand lot. Tom Laporta uh, came through through the show and enjoyed himself. But he said something about um, he had killed a sacred cow on our last show when he said that Ridley Scott still gets work almost entirely because Alien and Blade Runner were so good. And we had spoken about how, you know, well, we like the abyss. Well, Tom corrected us. Yes, as well he should have. He said that, guys, the abyss was James Cameron. Yes, it was. not Ridley Scott. Yes, it was. Well, you know, we do it in real time. Yeah, we do it in real time. And, you know, a lot of yeah, I'd say, what, 90 percent of this is off the top of our heads. Pretty much. So, you know, yeah, mistakes we, happen every once in a while. I mean, we've got Google in front of us, but sometimes we just. Well, we're moving in real time. Though. Yeah. So and, and we're having an actual conversation. Can, can I correct something else since we're doing corrections? Cool, because I have a correction as well. If you recall a few episodes ago, and I, I actually I forget which episode I made reference to get it together. The Jackson five album. Yes. That Dancing Machine was on. Yes. And I said Dancing Machine was their final album. Was their final album? Their final album as the Jackson 5. Right. And that's not true. Really? Really. There was an album after that. What was that? Oh, the name of that album was... Uh, what was the name of that album? See, now I can't get going places out of my head because that's the first Jackson's the, the, album. That's the first Jackson's album. But the last Jackson 5 album is something that had to do with travel. But it's not going places? It's not going places. That's the first Jackson's album that, you, as you just said, was made off of uh, Philadelphia, was made on Philadelphia International here in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. That's, it. That's interesting. But the last Jackson 5 album was... Let's see here. I'm pulling up the Jackson 5. Uh, let's see. You've got, let's go. Diana Ross presents the Jackson 5. It was in 69. That was followed by ABC. Third album, the Christmas album, Going Back to Indiana, Maybe Tomorrow, Looking Through the Window, Skywriter, Get It Together. Right. Dancing Machine. Machine. And what was after Dancing Machine? Oh, well, there were two live albums uh, in Japan and then live. Um, but I think the the album you're thinking of is Moving Violation. Moving Violation. I knew it had something to do. And I think that's the album with um, All I Do Is Think Of You really? is on there, popularized, of course, by Ready For The World. Wow. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard this album. This album has Forever Came Today, Moving Violation, You Were Made, Especially For Me, Honey Love, Body language. All I do is think of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Breezy. Call of the Breezy's Wild. Breezy's a good song too. Time explosion. Forever came today. All I do is think of you. Is not. It was not um, popularized by Ready for the World. It was popularized by Troop. Was, Are you sure? It was true. All I do is yes, think I know this song. of you. Am I getting my Jericho groups wrong? Because the thing I like about Troop and Ready for the World is that they got Jerry Curls, but that was the first stop. Like, first you get a Jerry Curl, but then you get it styled. Yeah. Like, yeah. they got it, you know. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get, get, get some clippers. Now I'm going to get a mullet. So I have a mullet Jerry Curl. 
I think that's ready for the world. No. You think it's true? It's it's definitely true. I'm 100. You're 100% that that's true. It was true. It was okay. Yes. See, I would have to correct that in the next episode. Wow. So that's that's my correction. That's your correction. See, now, but that's curious. I did not know that that song was a remake all this time. Yeah. So I've never heard the Jackson 5 sing it. Here's the crazy thing. Troop is better. Troop is as good. Jermaine sings lead on it. Well, then Troop is better. Jermaine sings lead. Well, since we're talking about, because you said Live in Japan, I love Live in Japan. Because Live in Japan is one of the few recordings where you have Michael going through that transition where his, his voice, voice is, is changing. Breaking. Yeah. And he's not really that confident. Mm-hmm. So that the four brothers really carry the slack. On live in Japan. Well, that's asking a lot. Well, it's an interesting album. I noticed I didn't say it was a good album, <laughs> yeah. but it's an interesting album. Hearing them sort of dealing with Michael at that at this moment when his voice is changing, yeah. and how to deal with his changing voice, that's, like become before he becomes adult Michael Jackson. Yes, and and starts singing like little Michael Jackson, right? For the I rest mean, of his you life. Know, but amazingly, <laughs> what's your favorite Jackson Five album or Jackson's album? Oh, my favorite Jackson's album is um, is uh, the Jacksons. I actually like the second Philadelphia International. So album. that that's the one with. Um, let me show you the way to go. Let me show you the way to yeah, go. Yeah, my favorite Jackson song. That's one of my favorite Jackson songs. Yeah. I don't know. That's not my favorite. I think my favorite Jackson album may be. It's either going places. It's a that's a good one because I I love go I go. I, Going Places has a lot of underrated songs mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cause a different kind of lady. I just love that. that Di- different kind of lady. Yeah. Especially yeah. for me. Yeah. Different kind of lady. Yeah. Sweet as could be. It's real. That's because you're a Philly dude, too. Maybe. Going Places is a real black album. It, it, well, it's real. It's real, real black. That's yes, that's right. Ain't nothing wrong with being real right. black. Like, that's, that's Jackson Black. Like you can that's tell, right. they recorded that right on Broad Street. That's right. That's the Blackson Five. Yeah, that's yes. right, bro. Yeah, yeah. Going right. places is a real that's black. My shot. That's my shot. Um, where were we? <laughs> you said you had a correction. I did have a correction because we both pointed out on our official review and at the Philadelphia Podcast Festival about how. During the the dance routine of uh, of uh, good and bad hair, yes, which is actually not called good and bad hair. It's called oh, what it's called? It's called straight and nappy. Straight and nappy, yeah, yeah. But we both pointed out that on the dance routine in the movie, that Jasmine Guy was kind of you know hidden away in, in bits of the dancing, right. Watching it again on Saturday night, Anna Malgums, I paid attention to that scene some mm-hmm. more. She's not hidden away. She actually is very much up front. Well, she's up front, but she's not Tisha Campbell up front. No, or actually, Kim up front. actually, when watching it again, Tisha Campbell is definitely up front a yeah. bit, but it being you know totally transparent here and one hundred percent honest, we we jacked it all up because jasmine is not only up front she's up front for a very good bit there's a the the the, the music the break in the song where it mm-hmm. basically is just the dancing yeah she does she's featured in a lot of that dancing oh, yeah. right there well i mean that's not being hidden and tisha is not 
it's a lot. It's a. It actually. It actually is a lot of Jasmine in that in that scene. Well, so. I guess I have no choice but to go and watch School Days. Oh, poor you! <laughs> but thank you, Tom, for correcting us about the abyss. Thank which I you. still enjoy a great deal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think we may have read this last week. I'm not sure, but Manfred T. Oliver said. Loving Jezebel. Do it already, Vince. You yeah, know you wanna. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what that's referring to. That's that's the um Oh, I just forgot his name. The actor that we've talked about that you said you can't think of anything good that he's in and I oh, said Oh, oh, um Hill Harper. Hill Harper. That's a Hill Harper movie. That okay. I like a lot. Loving Jezebel. Loving, loving Jezebel. So, uh, let me see if if we can hunt down a copy because I don't know. It was like a little indie film, so I don't know how available it is, but we'll we'll see what we can do. I'll see what we can do for you, Manford. All right, just for you. I like that name, Manford. Yeah, yeah. Manford T. Oliver, attorney at law. Lucas Human. Lucas Human. All right. There's a name. That is a name. He respectfully requests. Okay. The Inkwell. As we threatened in the Straight Out of Brooklyn hey, episode. Man. <laughs> yeah, give me a minute to cool off from school days. <laughs> he also says that since nobody asked, I'd also love to hear you guys talk about the following flicks. The Education of Sonny Carson. I don't know if I've ever actually seen it. I know I haven't. Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling. Much better than people give it credit for. Much better than people give it credit for. Still not that great of a movie. And Which Way Is Up, which is not a good, well-made movie, right. but it's funny. That's your joint, too. But it's funny. Yeah, Which Way Is Up is your joint. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not well-made, but it's, it's funny. It's it, Tonally, it's weird. It's like, very like, it weird. It seems like it should be funnier than it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Which Way Is Up, which is uh, stars Richard Pryor. In what, three roles? <laughs> Is he three roles? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think he's in three roles in which yeah, way is up. Yeah. Um, Richard Pryor has a thing that he does in, in his movies. He, he, like, as opposed to Eddie Murphy, who was always the coolest dude in the room right. in every one of his movies, or especially earlier in his career, Richard Pryor, while probably the coolest dude in the room right never liked to play that role right he always liked to play the underdog right and thus because of that there's always a part in his movie where as the underdog he is one getting the upper hand right thus some some of his smart smart assery comes out but also then he plays like the love the love sick puppy dog right or right. The, the or the sad sack yeah and that causes for strange tonal shifts in a movie that is like crazy, but right. now we're supposed to feel sad. Yeah, yeah. You know? But yeah, yeah, we'll do which way is up. We'll do which way is I up. Like, I like I like Richard Pryor movies because there aren't a lot of Richard Pryor a movies. Lo- and a lot of them that he just hits it out of the park. This, where you say, this is a great movie full stop. Like, what are your great, like, you know, Stir Crazy. I'd have to see it again. I love Stir Crazy. I think Stir Crazy is a great film, full stop. That's Richard Pryor. And Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. (sighs) Like, I love Grease Lightning. I don't know how much I'm going to fight for Grease Lightning. Mm -hmm. 
You like Bingo Long. That's not really a Richard that's Pryor. Really movie. A, I'm talking about one that stars, like that stars like a, he's Richard the, Pryor. He's the man. And and the toy, the the toy is problematic. I I really love Bustin' Loose, but I've never you know Bustin' Loose isn't really that great of a film. Wasn't he? Uh, isn't his movies Brewster's Millions? Yeah, another one that was yeah. just sort of this weird yeah. '80s. Well, you know, we talked about that on an earlier episode, like those '80s Richard Pryor movies mm-hmm. where they defang Richard Pryor. Yeah, like it, they basically are trying to make almost a Bill Cosby movie. See, but you're saying they. I have. A, I think Richard. You think it's Richard Pryor Richie, himself? He played a hand in that. Okay, fair you, enough. You got to remember, coming up, Richard Pryor was basically Bill Cosby. You fair enough. Early, early Richard Pryor. Yeah, it's Bill Cosby. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know? But but you know, I don't know how many great Richard There's Pryor not movies a lot. there are. There's not Full a lot. Stop. I, I think if you ask a lot of people, they would probably go where just where you went. They would go which way is up. Some people would go JoJo Dancer just because of what it aspires to be. I don't right. think, and like right. you said, it's better than you think. It's better than people but gave it's, it credit it, for. But it's, he doesn't stick the land. No. And no. then most people after that probably are going straight to Harlem Nights. And again, not a Richard Pryor and that's movie. that's not a Richard right, Pryor movie. Right. You know, people love Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, but when you think about the work that they did together, Bustin' Loose. Mm-hmm. Bustin' Loose. Um, oh no, Stir Crazy. I'm thinking about Stir Crazy. Bustin' Loose is what I'm thinking about with him and the kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Bustin' Loose is him and the kids. Stir Crazy is he did him Stir and Crazy. Wilder. He did Stir Crazy. He did... Um, like, See No Evil, See Hear No, no Evil, Evil yeah. which was... And there was another movie. Oh, they were in... Um, Silver Street together. Silver Street. Yeah, although they weren't really together in right. Silver Street. Right, but that was like the beginning. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta do some Richard Pryor. We do. Do some Richard Pryor. We got an email. We got a couple. We got a few emails, actually. All right. We got an uh, email from... I feel like we have time to do this. I feel like we're not going to spend... Like, we don't need an hour and a half for fast forward. Or do we, Lynn? Maybe, Lynn. We've got time. (laughs) George Arterberry. Hey, George. uh, A.K.A. Bison for Life. All right. Hit us up on... He's an H.U. dude. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. He very much is. And uh, Bison for Life. I actually... uh, I was racking my brain where I know that name. I've heard him as a caller... On the Black Geeks podcast a few times. Okay, all right. Uh, he says, gents, I met you, he actually met me, at BlurredCon. Uh, I'm the one who said that Nothing But a Man is one, on one of my top five films of all time. Wow, that's a good one. Not, we are fans. Yes, we are. We'd love for that to be reviewed. Not sure if it's been done. Yes, George, it has. Go check out showmission.com and you will find it down there. I think it's like around the 60s. Yeah. It was was fairly recently. I really enjoyed your school days review. All right. Thank you. I'll date myself but I remember when Spike was at Howard in 86 (laughs) drumming up She's Gotta Have It. That was when Spike was new and hot and he was just another NYC-ish talker. Yeah, The film tried to do way too much but it, to me, remains iconic. Why? It covered HBCU life good, bad, indifferent. Yes, I'm an HBCU grad and a fraternity member. Respectfully, George, a.k.a. Bison for Life on Twitter. Oh, that's the end of the letter? That's the end of the email. George got so much more to say about school days. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah. He, he's holding back. I was about to say. Because George, George said a couple of things in there where it was like, oh, I know George got something to say about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
And we also heard from uh, Sherry D. Okay. Love your podcast. Hello. A friend recently hit me to your podcast, and I'm hooked now. I'm listening on... I'm listening on the way to and from work, and I think you're great. I appreciate what you're doing and the way that you do it. I graduated from Howard University way back in the day. All right. I just listened to your review of School Days. It's not one of my favorite Spike films, but I appreciated your perspectives on it. I love your conversations. I'm devouring your past reviews and conversations. Nice. And I'm looking forward to your future ones. Thank you so much. For what you do, Sherry D. Thank you, Sherry D. And and welcome aboard. And and please please go ahead, devour away. And and you know, happy to have you here on the rod. Yes, thank you so much, Sherry. That that was a uh, that was nice. I like I like seeing nice emails. I know they're they're fun. You know, unlike this one we got from Romero Stokes. Oh no! Oh yes! Oh no! Romero Stokes hit us up in regards to our school days episode as well. Hey brothers! Hey, what's up, man? He called us brothers. <laughs> He's setting us up. Really enjoyed the school days episode. It was pivotal in my decision to attend an HBCU. Okay. I finished high school in 1991, so I think I saw school days in either 10th or 11th grade. Anyway, as you know, I love your show. However... Uh Uh-oh. I think... Okay. Fair enough. I'd get more out of your reviews, views, if you are a bit more linear okay in my humble opinion if you follow the chronology of the film in question your listeners could follow along a bit better and recall the instances you you reference i also believe that you yourselves could would make more salient points about story cinematography and characters by basing your reviews on an act by act basis you already serve as an ad hoc film school for a lot of your listeners and though their their chaos is oft times welcome i think we miss or barely skim the surface of some of your more introspective and important reflections because we're skipping all over the place at times anyway just my two cents i'm going to keep listening regardless much love and respect romero stokes okay thank you romero you want to Address that? Like? No, I read it. You you address it. I mean, I think it is. I think it is a critique that I've thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- I think you know. I think that, that that I'll speak for you. I think Lynn and I spend a great deal of time sort of re-listening and how could it be better and and you know what could we do with this and. I think what it kind of goes back to you is is there there there's actually a, a a term a term in in rhetoric in the humanities belletra 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 is that and latin it's french oh okay and it, it literally means beautiful letters okay and and it applies to a couple of different things but when it comes to criticism 
it's a type of criticism that, you know, like, you know, you think about criticism and, and you think about sort of, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you about this to teach you mm-hmm. and to instruct you. Whereas, you know, Belletra sort of this approach is it's appreciation. Right. And it's about aesthetics. Right. And 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 basically, I think that this is beautiful and this is why or this is how I think it's beautiful. Right. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of the film criticism that people listen to falls under that. Belletra. Belletra. And and when I think about what we do here, if I think about sort of the um the pedagogy, if you will, mm-hmm. of of the Michelle mission, you know, what is our approach to teaching? I'm much more comfortable with that part of it. Where if you look at at, you know, you, the very beginning, like the very beginning when you and I had kind of talked and on that very first episode, and, you know, why are we here and what do we want to do? And at at the sort of foundation of what we do is we want to bring attention to black film. Right. And whether we're talking about something that we completely adore, like, you know, Middle of Nowhere, whether we're talking about something that we had mixed reviews about, you, you know, like um, Big Words. Right. Or whether it's something... It's some, funny, I was thinking of Big Words, too. Or whether it's something that, you know, both of us sort of dislike to the point where we, we mock it. Like, um, you know, why did I get married? Right. I think that we kind of can we at least attempt to consistently be sober and deliberate in our appreciation. Yes. Yes. But at the same time, and now I'll go from we to I. I don't have interest in turning it into a quote unquote classroom situation. Mm-hmm. Like like that was never my goal with this for a variety of reasons. You, you know, first and foremost, I don't know how qualified I am to right. say this is now a class. You, you know, the teacher has begun to teach. Yes. And I care. You know, I think the spirit of the thing, you know, I think the spirit of the thing, I think the, the real. Um, the real power of this show, frankly, I think is is our relationship as we talk about it. Right. And 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 I think the way that we talk about it, it has to kind of keep this level of sort of organic back and forth like you have with the conversation. Yes. So while I, I, I absolutely respect Romero's suggestion mm-hmm. and and, you know, and and I acknowledge the, the compliment that is kind of implicit in there. Yes. I, I don't really feel like that's what we're here to do. And yes, I recognize the irony of saying that I'm not here to teach and I just gave a little lecture. Yes, I understand what I just did and kiss my ass. I know. What I did. <laughs> so that's 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 my answer to Romero. Well, I I mean, I, I could be cheap and just say ditto because uh, <laughs> I agree with everything that you said. Um, the only thing that I will add is that I, too, sometimes think about going bit for bit for bit. Um, I think production wise, that can sometimes tend to make the episode a little bit drawn out. Right. So I so that's why I, I definitely am hesitant to do that, especially uh, considering that our shows now for some who may not who may not realize it are. um Basically, they run a little over an hour. 
and then the show is edited into an hour format for distribution on the radio while the the more elongated um, version uh, goes out on the internet you know as as the podcast so you know if I'm going bit for bit for bit and then it stretches it out that runs the risk of it being a lot longer you right. can't really take out like a whole middle section of the of the movie we were sure. talking about sure. you know in my editing process um so I, I keep that in mind. That's just from a production standpoint. Sure, sure. Um, but I too am just not really that interested in going for bit for bit. Um, I do. I hear him on maybe being more linear as far as whatever scenes we want to maybe speak about. Sure, you know, or if we're speaking about a particular character in the film, maybe you know, talking about that character at different stages along the film so at least you can follow along follow that character's arc right or, right. or storyline through the movie you know that's something we can certainly be a little bit more cognizant too but other than that that's just not my that's just not my goal with the show like you say it it is a conversation right um and i think that that first and foremost is what has to be um uh, uh, stand with the show because that's what people I think that's what people enjoy and I think that's what like you said is the power behind the show right you right. know at the end of the day do we know what we're talking about to a degree we're yeah, not yeah. St- uh, scholars of film by but any we're means. sober and deliberate Most you certainly. know that's what I always say you know we are sober and deliberate in in our critique of yeah. the film we're discussing yeah. this week yeah so um but like again also to, like you said I do appreciate the um the critique it's a it's a valid critique regardless of whether or not i necessarily want to you know follow in those footsteps right 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 uh, and i appreciate romero uh listening to the show becoming a fan of the show yeah. staying with us um and um and enough to say how it could be better exactly that, that, that shows investment in what we're doing right. and and at the end of the day that's all we can ask right of our fans so thank you very much yes romero. thank you thank you all right and as a reward for your investment, <laughs> we now we're going to sober and deliberately bring you a review of 1985's Fast Forward. Got the talent. They've got the guts. But now they've got to hit the place where the best learn their moves. Where you get blown away if you're second best on the street. It's their one and only shot at the top. Sydney Poitiers, fast forward. Let's go.
Fast forward from 1985, the story revolves around a group of teenagers who are referred to as, quote unquote, the Adventurous Eight, although I don't believe they're ever actually called that within the text of the film. But they are a group of dancers and performers from Sandusky, Ohio, mm-hmm. who crave stardom that they so bad that they uh, rehearse and dance and come up with music and acts. And after a series of events that happen where a, a big promoter comes to their town and they finagle a promise out of him, they pack up their cares and their suitcases and travel to the big city, New York to try and get a spot in in a contest where the winner will be um represented by this by this talent agency and of course once they get to New York complications arise directed by Sidney Poitier music or some of the music by Quincy Jones starring many actors that many of us aren't familiar with Quite a few. 1985's Fast Forward. Lynn, this was your choice. This was my choice, but, you know, there's a caveat to that. <laughs> See, don't, don't, uh, there, is, there is a don't. caveat. There is a caveat. We had a conversation on the past show. Yes. And, and I'm sorry I, I got busy doing a bunch of stuff because I wanted to look up exactly what was the episode. <laughs> but we had a conversation he on the past receipts. show where um, somehow we started talking about, like, you know, Actors like that were maybe you know left in the wake yes. of Denzel Washington. Right, we, we talked about 80s. Don Franklin, and we talked about and you the brought poor up man's Don Blair Underwood. I didn't bring up Don. Right, Franklin. right, right. You brought up Don I Franklin, yes. and his pivotal role in Fast Forward. That's right. To which I said, "What? That's right." I've never heard you of this weren't movie familiar with the film, and I've barely heard of the actor. Yes. And so you said at that point, "Oh my God, we, well we've got to do Fast Forward." So well, if it's a black film, we got to do it. It's like well, it's most certainly a black film. We've got to do it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I'm going to have to hear because I, I don't think I said it is most certainly a black film. Okay. Because you told me Sidney Poitier directed it. I didn't know that. Until okay. you said it. Well, and then maybe you said it after that. Okay. After hearing that Sidney okay. Poitier and Don right. Franklin's in it. Well, All it's right. got to be a black film. So I'm like, okay. So shows went by. And then in listening back to our sh- to the shows, I heard that. And I was like, oh, we never did fast forward. Well, we've got to do fast forward. Yes. So you chose it. So I chose Which it. Which is what I said five minutes ago. This is fine. Okay. Which is fine. I just wanted to note it. That I didn't go out there looking for a black film for us to review, uh-huh. came upon Fast Forward and said, ah, this will be okay. the next All one. Right. No, this came up because of a suggestion from you. So so tell us about this film that you chose. Since it's your choice, you start the conversation, it being your choice and all. Okay. So since you chose it, it's your pick, if yes. you will. It, it, it is my what, pick. What do you have to say about Fast Forward? Yeah. Well, before I, I say what I have to say about Fast Forward, I will say what actually a few people have said about Fast Forward. I'm looking up some information about this about this uh, movie, and I went on uh, looking at some people's reviews, a lot of past fans of Fast Forward, because lo and behold, this movie has a great number has of fans. A cult following. On Amazon, this movie has a great good like three to five five star reviews uh, re- uh a lot of drinking here in america <laughs> 
so someone wrote that this is a wonderful feel-good musical. It depicts a competition in dancing with a learning experience involved. It shows how you can accomplish anything you put your mind to with pride. It is a movie that you can watch over and over and still have that feeling of inspiration. They have made a similar up-to-date makeover movie like called Pitch Perfect, which is equally compelling also recommend it uh let's see someone wrote why do we give it a five-star review yes, my why? daughter and i have been looking for this dvd and we're very happy because it came way ahead of schedule delivery and at a reasonable <laughs> price my daughter asked me where i found it and how much it cost me she was truly surprised thank you very much <laughs> That was enough for a five-star review. <laughs> All right. We got another. Wait a minute. We're not over. No, we're it's not a, wait a minute. It's not over. We got another five-star review. <laughs> It's not scratched at all. It came in the mail quick and safely packed, like it was completely brand new. And the movie was outstanding, thanks to Sidney Poitier as the director. Sidney Poitier, who in 1985, Hollywood was not knocking at his door to be the lead in a lot of films. Right. Nor was, seemingly, or maybe he was saying no to, nor was television knocking at his, knocking at his door either. Right. And he wasn't that wasn't that old of a uh, of an actor. However, somehow, Sidney Poitier, never known to be a song and dance man that I've known of, not at all, drew the short straw and directed this film, which was, as you pointed out, executive produced by Quincy Jones. Yes, featuring. John Scott Clow <laughs> and Don Franklin. Don Franklin. In the lead roles in this movie. Uh, John Scott Clow pay, plays Matt and Don Franklin plays Michael. Best friends. The only two male members of the Adventurous Eight, and they are referred to in the movie as the Adventurous Eight a couple of times, um, including in the finale, in the final dance, big the big show. <laughs> uh, but they're best friends. Matt is basically the manager and lyricist. Michael is the lead singer, composer, and choreographer Yes, for this awesome group, which pretty much is... It pretty much is uh, uh, Black Tony Orlando and a whole lot of Dawn. Whole lot of Dawns. Because it's Michael, Don Franklin, and six women yes. dancing and moving right, in right. forms of modern ballet and modern dance yes. on and around and about him. Yes. As he sings what appears to you know why certified management accountants work so well with robots? Because we both love bowling, karaoke nights, Taco Tuesdays. Actually, it's because you can crunch numbers faster than any human being could, which means CMAs like me can set strategy and make decisions faster than we ever could. And that, my friend, is why we work together like hand and glove. Except hand has an office and glove doesn't. Yeah, well, hand has a CMA and glove doesn't, so... The CMA certification. You've got to earn it. Visit cmacertification.org for details. 
Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, and style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Cast off songs from uh, Off the Wall. No. I think this is. This is I was going to say cast off songs from the television show Fame. Yeah, but see, no, that they definitely. This music, which is. Um, while Quincy Jones executive produced it, yeah, it really. Know. Much, much of it is done by. Uh, uh, was it Narado Wal- Walden? Narada Michael Walton. Walton. Yeah, um, and and Tom Baylor, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, who had their hands in Michael Jackson music. Tom Baylor was the person that wrote "She's Out of My Life." Yes, and th- and there's snippets of these songs where I can hear. Wow. I can hear. You are so generous with this music right now. No, no. Hear me out. I can hear Michael Jackson singing the demo of these songs and say, yeah, this is not going to work, you. And go, <laughs> going, nice. going back to the, <laughs> to the drawing book. Because the songs, that's later down the line. Okay. So, what we have here. Mm. is a failure to communicate. Mm. There is one saving grace about this film. Which is? Which is the dance numbers, (laughs) of which there are numerous. Yes. (laughs) The dance numbers are smartly filmed in from a wide angle. Okay. So that you can see the entire bodies moving. You can right. see the, the, the entire dance floor. You can see all, all parts of the bodies moving in motion. You can see the dance steps and the choreography. Okay. It's, it's there and right there in front of your face, which is great, which is why a lot of people, when they saw this film back in the 80s, when they were young kids, saw this film, they were transfixed by that because not only could they see, oh, there's great dancing, but because you could see it in full frame, they saw dancing that they could emulate. They could definitely like quickly learn the steps. They could learn it because it was shot in full frame, and they could also learn it because the dancing was slow. Yes. And the dancing, the dance pace was remedial. Well, it was seven of them. It was, yes, it was seven of them because John Scott Clow was off on the side right, collecting right. all the Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing. Um, also, John Scott Clow, what I was uh, surprised to learn, was also uh, ghosting 
as the singer. Yes. On most of these songs, of which Don Franklin is, is in the movie playing the lead. Yes. And you see him singing, but apparently this is the Milli Vanilli because he's it's not his voice. I was thinking about Stoney Jackson in Streets of Fire. It, perhaps it's Stoney Jackson in Streets of Streets of Fire, but I wouldn't do I won't do that to Stoney Jackson. <laughs> I'll give Stoney a okay, little bit. We're gonna get Stoney a, a pass. A little bit more credit. Give him a pass <laughs> because what Stoney lacked in talent, Stoney uh, made up for in at least a scintilla of charisma. Charisma. Stoney Jackson, a little bit of charisma. Yes, Don Franklin. There's no charisma in Don. No Franklin. charisma in Don. There's Franklin. no. There's nothing in Don Franklin. There's long legs. Yeah, yeah. There's not a bad dancer. Probably a, a, would look good on solid gold at the yeah, time. Yeah, you solid know, gold. D- dancing up on a podium. Right, right. You know, in a group. In a group. In a group. Way in the back because right. he looks like he's about six foot ever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Six foot ever. He's a tall dude. Tall but um, that's uh, about the size of Don Franklin. Uh, in this movie and in his career, because you pointed out that he was the poor man's Blair Underwood. He yes. may have been the poor man's Stoney Jackson because he really didn't do a whole. He lot. didn't do a whole lot. A whole lot after this film, but therefore, you know, come to speak of it, neither did John Scott Cloud. Yeah, yeah despite yeah. the talents that he tries to display in this movie, the lead that I'm burying with this, okay, which I think you kind of alluded to. Is that this film, despite the pedigree of Quincy Jones being an executive producer and basically giving Tom and Narada the keys to his uh, his studio right. while he was in Malibu? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go knock out some songs to that. Despite Sidney Poitier obviously uh, having an IRS bill that he had to pay real quick, <laughs> signing on as the director of this film. Yeah. Despite the presence of Don Franklin, yes, in a very uncharismatic blah, yeah, of a performance as the co-lead yes. in this movie, despite the fact that of the six Dawnettes, if you will, yeah, or the six adventuresome girls, right, in the back, there are about maybe a good. Three that are African American and yes. another that is Hispanic yes. or some some type of uh, Latin. Yeah, I think there are only two the white girls. There's maybe only two white white girls in the yeah. back there. Despite all of that, this is not a black film. This is not a black film at all. Okay, it's a black mark on the Michelle mission, <laughs> but it is not a black film. John Scott Clow, white guy. Yeah. He's the lead. He is basically, the sh- the movie, for the most part, is on his shoulders. Right. He not only. Because he comes and he has a storyline. He's got a storyline. He's a, got a the, rich he's socialite. Got the love, rich socialite. Yeah. You know, he's the, 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 the warring uh, uh, love interest yeah. and all of yeah. that. The latter half of the movie um, becomes this redemption of this retired uh, music exec- right. executive. Win- widow. Widow. Right. Uh, Ida Sapel, right. Uh, who also is. White, yes. Uh, in this movie, um, 
that's and and then you've got you've got you've got uh ex- music executives white yeah. you've got the majority of the dancers when you go into the clubs in which these uh, a lot of these dance numbers are uh set are white yeah the dj at the club is white yeah yeah you do have a very young Michael DiLorenzo. Michael DiLorenzo as Caesar. As Caesar. As in conquer. Yes. <laughs> That's his quote. I've never been a fan of Michael DiLorenzo. Okay. I didn't like him in the movie that, uh, in the show that probably made his mark. New York Undercover. Undercover from yeah, the yeah. later 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like him in that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't liked him in anything else. I didn't like him before that. I didn't like him after that. Seeing him in this movie, I'll give it. The man was quite a dancer. Yes. You can see because of the way it's shot that he is doing all of his his dancing. He started on break dancing on the streets of uh, New York, I guess, in New York. And and he's he's got the chops for that. Yeah. I mean, he was was on fame. Yeah, he was. He was in the Beat It video. This movie is probably at the very beginning of the whole uh, breaking and breakdance craze. So it's not as it it's not um, the breakdancing is still while kind of cool to see. It's rudimentary based uh, in comparison to what will come later. Right. I mean, what right. You'll see later in like breaking and, right. and beat street and, and things of that nature. Um but it's still kind of you know it's still kind of cool to see the the uh, the multi ethnic dance gr- dance gang you know <laughs> carving out their turf right as it were at Zoo the hottest club in New York. That's that's actually first I agree with you. It, this is in no way a black film. No, I think there's there are one or two little interesting racialized moments in the film that kind of like okay here we go but i think i think everything you just said it's not it's not a good film it is but it is one of those weird and, and i've talked about this before you, you said it was um at the beginning of sort of break dancing in this sort of period this came out in 1985 mm-hmm. breaking and beat street actually both came out in 84 oh really yeah but, oh, well, that that makes this even more of a fail. Well, this is one of those films I think that followed in the wake of those two. Yeah, you know, very much surprise hits. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, we've talked about it before. Like like you know, I, I find people's confusion amusing. So it is very much a room full of people trying to figure out this street dancing thing. Yeah. And yeah. kind of put it together, and you have it in here where, you know, as he said, uh, Michael DeLorenzo's character, Caesar, is the head of this street dance crew mm-hmm. that clearly all of them have been classically trained. Yes. Like there's ballet and jazz involved, and and, and then, you know, there's there's sort of, now, now do, do like a little robot for a minute. So, you yeah. know, there's that part of it. And then the clubs themselves where, you know, you can tell that these are people who haven't lived in the city city for probably 30, 40 years. So it's like a club and it's like disco dancers. It's people dressed up 
like new wave people. Like I saw a picture of David Bowie, so dress them up like that. There's some punk rock people with mohawks. Oh yeah, mohawks. They got the feathers, earrings, and then it's some black people wearing stuff, whatever it is. And this is the club. Oh yeah, and I love that. Like I love this pre hip hop moment. Mm. Where people are trying, it's, it's funny. Yeah, because it is—it's like that transition from disco to hip hop, right? And and yeah, a transition yeah, yeah. where the people making the films have no understanding of it at all, of, of either. You you know, it's it's funny. There's a moment we were talking about school days last week, and, and we so there's there's a moment in school days where the gamma rays are planning a party, mm-hmm. and one of one of the women says to the other woman about the music, "Don't play any of that rap stuff. None of that hip hop did it be about." And these are like twenty year olds, right? <laughs> talking about, and she says, "I like Run DMC," and somehow her saying, "I like Run DMC," is like this amazingly radical thing in a room full of college students. <laughs> but Spike Lee's an old dude, even now, even at, even when School Days comes out, mm-hmm. he's kind of an old dude. Yeah, and and you know, back to this, it does it amuses me, like these years between like nineteen eighty five and nineteen ninety where you see hip-hop depicted and the people depicting hip-hop and hip-hop culture have absolutely no idea how any of this works. Right. So we're just kind of th- we're going to throw that against the wall. So that that amuses me. And it brings me back to um, fast forward again and again. And the depiction of the city. Like, you know, at some point there's a subplot where there's some city toughs who are who are sort of antagonist city toughs because that's what they are they're city toughs like you can tell that they put in casting oh yeah for city toughs and city toughs in 1985 like the old casting sheet was like very ethnic italians yeah so it's like city toughs and they're sort of you know messing with the girls but again but they had to be 80s italian so they had instead of like cuz italians usually had on like they had their suspenders, but they were the classic suspenders right, that right, you right. have on. But these were 80s young Italians. Yeah, 80s. So their suspenders were like multicolored. They right, were like the, right. the old Robin Williams suspenders. Right, just very city toughs. Which leads to one of the racialized moments where, again, I don't think this is a black film, but I do think it is a film that, you know, a lot of, there, there's a, again, there, there are two white women in the group. One of the white women, her whole goal is to be the main character's girlfriend. So now when he's attracted to the socialite, there is this conflict with them. Mm -hmm. The other white girl is cast as the innocent. Yes. She's homesick and she is the main person that the city headlights. She's caught a deer caught in headlights and the city toughs are bothering her. And then it's this weird little subplot because, again, they're all from the same town. They're all, you know, basically kind of, you know, country yokels in the yeah. big city. But somehow one of the black girls is more worldly right. than everyone else. So she teaches them how to deal with men and how to do all these things. But, of course, one of the black girls is going to teach the white girl how to do these things because black girls are always depicted as being more worldly and more knowledgeable about things than the innocent white girl. Right. And this is something we talk about. You know, I think like I think Oxford just released a study that, that's I don't know if it was Oxford, but a study was just released that say said that we sexualize black girls as early as five. 
because oh, yes. we think they're, yes, you know, we, we think that black girls and, you know, not for nothing, not to go too far down this rabbit hole. You, you know, you looked up, you looked at your watch and you didn't know if it was 2017 or 2005. Like what was everybody talking about two days before this was taped? R. Kelly and his sex house where he wow. has the girls in the house. But part of the reason that R. Kelly gets a pass is because if you get 10 people in the room, four people are going to say, well, them girls was all fast and you don't know about these, these fast girls and these little, you know, you, you can't say these girls are innocent. And frankly, the reason that R. Kelly gets to do all this is because he's doing it with black women. Yeah. So all of that, I thought about when I watched this, last week when we were getting ready to tape and it was of course the black girl has to teach the white girl how to deal with stuff so there's that is that enough to make it a black movie obviously not but there was that there and then you know like you kind of mentioned the multiracial gangs and the multiracial dance groups and you could tell they were you know it's like we have to depict the city but we don't want want to see to be too scared. Oh yeah, like like you know now it's uh, I'm talking about another movie that this is set after, like the movie Fame. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched the film Fame anytime, Fame is horrifying. Well, yeah, Fame is is post apocalyptic. <laughs> Like when you see New York and fame escape from New York, it's like, you know, the scene I always think about in fame, you know, one of the subplots is that Leroy is Leroy can't read. Right. And he's trying to make his way through school. And there's a scene where Leroy is in an alley and it's open flame. Like it's like a trash can with a fire in it. And he's trying to read this tattered piece of paper and read off of it. And from the light of the flame coming out of the trash can. And I remember being like 11 years old watching this thinking that New York was the most horrible place (laughs) on earth (laughs) and that, oh, whatever you do, God, don't let me end up in New York. Yes. So, you know, you have that part of it, too. But yet in this movie and I read it in more than a few reviews, uh, this this movie, while definitely depicting the rougher edges of New York, um, at this time, because, you know, at this time, 1985. Oh, yeah. You know, Times Square was not Times Square like it is oh, now. Yeah. Times Square was, you know, looking for Mr. Goodbar. I mean, yeah. it was it was. And by Mr. Goodbar, heroin. <laughs> um, but and this movie, you know, it shows some of that. But then it also because this is at its heart a very, you know, a feel good movie. Right. You know, you see the 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 adventurous eight, you know, roll up their sleeves and well, we're going to take this this <laughs> flea infested uh, room. And we're going to it's actually a montage of yes. them cleaning the apartment. Yeah. You know, we're going we're going to do something with this. Come on, guys. <laughs> We're going to do it. My grandmother has a barn. My <laughs> uncle has some lumber. We can put on a show. So next thing, next thing you know, <laughs> these eight kids who came from Sandusky, Cleveland, or Ohio, 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 right, Ohio right, right. for three days. Three days. Tops. Tops. In New York. But now, because of the machinations of the movie, find out that they have to be there for three weeks. They somehow have, within the span of it looks like about two days, found a place large enough for eight people in New York. Even in 1985, that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. 
and have pulled together enough resources to clean yes. this joint, which easily looked like it was abandoned back in the in uh, in the. It, in the uh, in the depression, yeah, yeah, it's a tough room. They have, they have cleaned this this place, including filled up some of the holes that were in the wall. Yeah, found themselves uh, some dusty couch, found some crates, painted them, and if you're if you're a kid in 1985 and you see what they've done to this apartment, oh, I want to go to New York. Yeah, me and my crew, we could go to New York. Yeah, so you like the I mean? kids that saw this and not fame ran away from home and went to New York. All I know is and that now when, they're we, dead. when we were at, um, oh no, you weren't there for the for the screening. At the end of the screening yeah. of school days, I announced that we were going to be doing Fast Forward. Fast Forward. At which point, a shriek came from the back of the room. Wow. Somebody leapt up and <laughs> said, Fast Forward? That's my movie. I know every step. And started to dance every step in that that whole survive my uh, song. Survive because they did it like three times. Uh, yes, they did, and did the same steps. Every yeah, time. yeah. So I guess you could study it, and and, well, and you know. So this is a movie, and, and this was a person of a certain age. And when this movie came out, they were they were young, they were transfixed by it, they sure. loved this film. It, it meant it meant everything to them. Um, and again, just like with the Last Dragon, I tried to watch this film through as much of that lens sure. as I could. Sure. And watching it through that lens, no, it ain't a black film. No, it's not a good movie. But watching it through that lens, I could see where somebody could yeah. watch this movie and like come away with it like, hey, I, I like the film. It has it's, its kind of cool. You know? It, it, it's very earnest. It is earnest. It is very it is earnest. A, it, it is a very earnest yeah. film. Like, yeah. that, I, I, that's a good word yeah. for it. That's a good word for it. But it's Sidney Poitier. You know what? I was looking at Sidney Poitier's disc, uh, his his um, filmography, his filmography, and y- you know he 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 does he he, he does Buck and the Preacher. He does. Um, I think he directed Stir Crazy. It's funny we were just talking about Stir Crazy. He um, he directed a couple of the films that he did with Bill Cosby. Yes. you know I know he yes, did he Uptown did, Saturday yeah, Night say, and uh, Let's Do It Again. Mm-hmm. At least I don't know if he directed a piece of the action, but which again. Someone told me this past week, and it was a very surreal week I've had. <laughs> Someone told me that they love the Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier movies, and Piece of the Action is their favorite. I, I mean, Piece of the Action isn't my favorite of the three, but I've talked about how much I love those movies. Oh, I love those movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Piece of the Action. Is- you, you know, he directs... Um, so he did direct Stir Crazy, and then, you know, he directed Ghost Dad. So Sidney Poitier is not. You look confused. You don't remember Ghost Dad? Oh no, I remember. I remember. This is proof positive that Sidney Poitier is not a good director. Sidney Poitier is not a good director. Not at all. Like I think, and and you feel like you feel horrible even saying Saying that that, sentence because it's Sidney Poitier. But I mean, he's not like like no one is like he's like no one is 
Like it doesn't surprise me at all that he directed this. It like, doesn't. Like no, when you see, look at his filmography, see, it doesn't surprise me at all that he directed this. Right, because as much as we we both cape up for Uptown Saturday Night, right, it's not like it's you know it ain't like it's his uh, Spike Lee's directorial debut well, either. The, the the best compliment I can give Sidney Poitier, and I can give it to him for Bucking the Preacher, for Uptown Saturday Night, for a piece of the action, for we were just talking about Stir Crazy earlier. I think that he uses his acting instincts to get out of the way. Like, I get the feeling that he's a very hands-off person. And when he has the, you you know, when you have, you know, these performers with with the caliber of a Harry Belafonte, a Flip Wilson, a Bill Cosby, a Richard Pryor, a Gene Wilder, then, I, I mean, I don't mean any harm. I don't know how much worse Uptown Saturday Night would have been if I directed it. Right. Because all I'm doing is making sure the lights are on and everything. Yeah. Is the sound and on? the camera points right. straight. Is, is everything where it's supposed to be? Go. Right. You right. know, so unfortunately, Don Franklin and company are not Gene Wilder. No. So, you know, you get what you get. I don't mind Michael DeLorenzo. I think Michael DeLorenzo is fine in his lane. I think... I think he's harmless. Here's a compliment I will give Michael DeLorenzo. Whether he was in fame, whether, you know, the, the, the years that he was on um, New York undercover, undercover, I was never distracted by him. Oh, I was. I was never distracted by Michael DeLorenzo. I, I completely understand why he didn't make it out of that period. Like, you know, all those kind of actors yeah. who were around in the 90s on television shows like, who never kind of made it out of that. Right. I completely understand it. But, you know, I, I think him as the dance tough, as the dance tough, like I said, the line, and it's a, it's a hilarious line because it's him talking tough. Mm-hmm. I'm Caesar, as in conqueror. And then he kind of does this little shimmy dance thing where you can tell clearly he's had like 12 years of tap, 10 years of jazz, and oh, yeah. five years of ballet. Yeah. But he's, you know, this street dancer. And you know he's tough because he has a feather earring. Well, there you go. So, you know. There you go. That's that's his crown. You know, fast forward. What you going to do? End this review. Um, <laughs> and it is a Sidney Poitier film. Like, I think people would make the argument, and I've made this argument before starting this show, that this would be a black film. Because, because Sydney, of the director. Because of the director. I've actually changed that view since we've been talking through the you know if you hadn't changed that view before now you would tonight but i do think except for that one moment that i talked about there's not one black character in this film that if that character was white the film would have changed no no so there you go yeah so that's all we're going to subject you to, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. See, I didn't. Go, I didn't. I don't think I ripped it. You didn't go in at all. I didn't like go, you did not go in. Like I, I'm a little disappointed. I, I hear. I you. have to say, I'm a little because I've been looking forward to you y'all. Know, we watched fast forward a couple of weeks ago when we did stormy weather, and I actually wanted to do like we could only do one episode, and I wanted to do fast forward because I've been looking forward to you talking about fast forward for a month, mm-hmm. and you've disappointed me. I apologize. I guess, you know, I think the reason why I didn't go in hard on it is because just like you said, well, two reasons. One, like you say, 
it is an earnest movie. Right. You know, it's 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 an extended episode of The Little Rascal. You kind of feel like a dick going at it super hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it <laughs> at the end of the day, it and and again, at the end of the day, it's basically a movie that is set up to get from one set piece to the next dance set piece to the next set piece to the next set piece. And I think it's actually made for like 12-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. The music is is garbage, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I give it up. I don't know, you know, Saida Garrett sings on a couple of these songs. That's the only saving grace because I, I, again, that's another voice who I think got lost in the sauce of the 80s and 90s. Um, but this is probably early on when she was, you know, yeah, you know, Quincy was like, yeah, you know, sing this, Saida. Yes, sir. You know, um, the music is garbage. The dancing is, is eh, you know, but. It, the people that enjoy that have fond memories of this movie, I can completely understand that. And nothing, even if they were to watch it today, is going to sure. take that away from them. So God bless them. And you know. Robert DeCroix, who played King George yes. in uh, Coffee, plays one of the girl's fathers. Yes, he does. Which then brought joy to me because I was watching it and he walked and I said, King George, he's a pimp. I said that too. (laughs) Yeah. I said that. And he also does some of the best acting in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) In the movie for three minutes. He's he's the best actor in the movie. Yeah. But, But, um, you know, again. Yeah, it's like, you know, why why rip this movie, man? so, 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 So next, next along these lines along these lines, like now we've done Fast Forward, which I think if, if we were going to do one of these movies, I think we should have done rapping. <laughs> yeah. With Mario Van Peebles. And one of our favorite actors from school days, Kadeem Hardison, in a pretty big role in rapping, if I recall. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in so long. I just remember Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, yeah, he was rapping Hood. Yeah. So again, these films where it's like at this exact moment before hip-hop took over pop culture, mm-hmm. and it's just old guys trying to trying to wrap their mind it's, it's, it's sort of like have you, have you ever seen the clip of Soul Train where um, I think it's Curtis Blow okay. comes on Soul Train if it's not Curtis Blow I'm pretty sure it's Curtis Blow but it's like one of the early you, you know hip hop MCs goes on Soul Train like one of the first ones and Don Cornelius says to him to his face I have no idea why people like this I don't know what this is I don't know why people like this, but basically I had to get you on Soul Train because you're the hottest thing on the radio right now. But I'm telling you to your face as Don Cornelius, I don't understand why people like this. And I always felt like it's a room full of Don Corneliuses Mm -hmm. that made like Beat Street and Beat Street 2, Electric Boogaloo, Mm -hmm. and Rappin' and all of these movies. Um. Wait. Did I say Beat Street or Breaking? I meant Breaking. You, you, you said Beat Street. Yeah, because Beat Street is fantastic. Yeah, Beat Street. Beat Street is on another. Yeah, Beat Street is, is a whole different a deal. Whole different thing. Yeah, but Breaking, Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo, Rapping, Body Rock, like all That's the, the that all rock, these yeah. kind of weird hip hop esque movies, dumb movies. They're not good movies, but you know, I think they're interesting. Like as this weird kind of weird eighties curio. They are. The difference between them, I can't believe I'm saying this, the difference between them and this movie, as silly and as insipid as this movie is, yeah. is, is that all of those 
very much feel like a cash grab. That's a good point. That's this, a really good point, actually. We should have said that earlier. This one, it, it, there probably is some of that behind there, but they're also, I mean, I think getting Quincy and probably even to a, to a degree getting Sidney Poitier is, is an attempt to try and legitimize what they're doing here. That's a good point. Film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, this wasn't, the, the, right, basically what you said. Yeah. Wow, I cannot believe this is where we landed with this thing. I can't believe it either. <laughs> I can't believe it either, but I got to be true to it. I got to be honest. I got to be real, man. I mean, I know we're not recommending it. Oh, no. No, no, no. I would not subject this to And this yet, dare I say, Lynn, you almost sound like you have a smidgen of affection for this film. No. I don't have a scintilla of affection <laughs> for this film. I just, you know, I'm just going to rip it. All right. We're going to let it be. We're going to let it be. All but right. we're also going to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 74. 74. Of show, show Mission. And now we are beginning our countdown to 100. Uh, as you know. Insane. I know. Wow. It's, it's come real quick. Yeah, it has. Um, as you know, we recently ripped the seal off of our Spike Lee um uh, I guess I don't know what it, first five or six. Yeah, we, you know, we, I, I like to. We showed six. we showed a Spike, we did a Spike Lee movie. We did School yeah. Days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ripped that seal, we ripped that bandaid off. Uh, so now in this countdown to one hundred, you know, there we've been kind of like holding back on a lot of films. Some of our more favorite films, some of the more popular, more widely recognized, you know. Uh, monumental and uh, uh, seminal black films mm-hmm. out there. We've been kind of holding back on some of them for some of the more uh, you know, more significant episodes. And in this countdown, we are definitely going to make our way through a few of them. We certainly won't touch them all because, you know, we got to save some. Um, but we're going to touch on more than a few as we make the uh, our, our way to triple digits. And we will start Next week with episode 75, which will be Vince's selection, and yes. he is selected. Uh, Daughters of the Dust. Yes. The the, the, the longtime prompts. And 75 is significant as well. Very much. You know, it's a number 75. So so we are we are going to do Daughters of the Dust, which, you know, is is more timely than ever. You know, Julie Dash is directing several episodes of Queen Sugar this season. Yes, she is. Which, you know, have you started it? I haven't started yet. I know I'm, I'm probably about a good three or four back already. Oh. Am I? Is it about three or four? Because I'm trying to wait for it. I think three. three. I think okay. I think that the third episode came on. No, the third episode is coming on tomorrow. Okay, see, I, I'm, I, yeah. I like to wait for at least three or four. I, I, I know I'm not surprising anyone with what I'm about to say. Oh, my God, it's so good. Yeah. Like, it's so Good. Like it's ridiculously didn't miss a good. beat. Not only did it not miss a beat, it's almost like it got even f- deeper into its groove. Because mm, now it's just, now because sure. now it's just no. like like it was like oh my god it's so good and then it just went. De- it's, it's sort of like the difference between people's instinctive travels and paths of rhythm and the low end theory. Okay. We're like you, like I don't know about you, but like I was so anxious when the low end theory came out. Like, how could the low end theory possibly be as good 
as people's instinctive travels and paths of rhythm. And then not only was it as good, it was better. And part of it was like they had just gotten deeper into their groove. Yeah. And that's what that's that's, you know, the first couple of episodes like. The kid actors are killing it. Really? The kid, who, the, the young man who plays Micah, mm-hmm. Charlie's son. Mm hmm. I liked him last season. Yeah. Like, I thought, wow, that because, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, I really like good, good child actors yes. or good young actors. Because he's a young man. He's not a child. He is killing it this yeah. season. It, two episodes in. Already? Two episodes in. He uh, Is it two or three? It might be three because I think okay. they showed two on the, the, the first week. Like, yeah. they showed yeah, two. Yeah, the first was two. Right, so it's actually out. three or four. Okay. Oh, then I'm good to go. He sorry. is killing it really like it's like you know it's like oh you know the three kids you know the three you know kids he's like oh you know you know them and ralph angel and you know my beloved nova and charlie and you know they're good and aunt vine and our man hollywood hollywood omar dorsey's still holding it down but it's like they said oh no no we got some cats coming off the bench too yeah okay the actor that plays davis her ex-husband really the actress that plays Ralph Angel's um, girlfriend, right? Micah, like I just said, the little kid who plays Blue, they're killing it, and it's so you know, I, I you can just replay all of my praise from Queen Sugar from last year. Okay, and again, Julie Dash is directing uh, several episodes. Nice. So, so this is a good time. Good time for us to do Daughters of the Dust. For us to do Daughters of the Dust. With episode 75, as we make our way to episode 100, which we already announced it, will be The Wiz. There it is. Which we will also be screening at Malcolm Comics when that uh, fruitful day comes. Yeah, we've been been avoiding talk about The Wiz for over a year. Yeah, we have because because I think that's I think you and I might disagree about the Wiz on some aspects. Of I'm it. fairly certain we so will. That's going to be a good episode. I'm fairly certain we will, as so. we sell into our groove too. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we in the groove. We in the groove, and you in the groove with us. Even <laughs> Romero's in the groove with us. Nah, come on, as we jump all over the place. He's hey, but I'm riding with you, dog. I'm riding with you, <laughs> that's, dog. That's all we ask. That's all we ask, brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this show, as you know, is available for your download streaming pleasure on MichelleMission.com as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, and every good place that podcasts be, including the CLSN Podcast Network and the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. And is available as a radio broadcast on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, Philadelphia, People Powered Media. In the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. I think that's about it. It is. So at this time, I shall say that I am Len, and I shall say that he is Vince, and then he will say in parting, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.